A shift in perspective I thought was really interesting was Marcus's comparison with us and nature and how we are a part of nature and it would, it would help us to act like nature. He says, if we want to follow nature, to be of one mind with it, we need to share its indifference. And that doesn't mean be a dick to everyone, like a hurricane or a tornado. I gotta go, Julia, we got cows. But it can really help with letting the things go that don't really matter all that much. We think some of these things matter. These things that we were born into within this arbitrary system of life. The car, the shoes, your social graph. But what, what really matters? Like Anthony DeMello talks about, what are the, the, the soul desires that we so desperately want? These soul desires that are separate from earthly desires of acceptance and status and wealth. What are these soul desires of love, self-love, feeling the sun on your face on a warm day, holding a snowball in your hand? These simple pleasures, which I'm not sure really hold a candle when you're holding an iPhone with TikTok on it. <laughs> but at the same time, it seems like these are the things that we should come back to. You look at people who are on their deathbed and the things that they talk about seem more spiritual or universal or bigger than just the temporal, than the earthly. I don't know. I'm trying to work through this because it feels like a lot of tools and coping mechanisms and behaviors that we've learned throughout growing up, they don't seem to help a lot with a lot of the things that we go through. We're still deeply unhappy or anxiety ridden. And what would it be like to move past that? I think the work by Brene Brown is really fascinating because it, it's showing how most of the ways that humans have coped with things over the entire existence of humans is probably unhealthy in many ways. Marcus wrote, how much more damage anger and grief do than the things that cause them? Our reaction to these events seem to blow them out of proportion. They can get us stuck in a trap, in a loop, in a rumination, thinking about these things for years. If not just a day or a moment of anger and release that you can't take back. He said, no role is so well suited to philosophy as the one you happen to be in right now. In the book, Untamed by Glennon Doyle, she says, what is the most beautiful, truthful story you can tell me about what is happening right now? How can you reframe this situation? This might be a terrible thing, but on the other side of the same coin, what could be the most beautiful, true story you could tell me about it? Again, I feel like it brings, it brings you back to agency, back to radical responsibility, back to self-empowerment. You know, psychologists who study survivors of shipwrecks, plane crashes, natural disasters, and prison camps conclude that the most successful are open to the changing nature of their environment. They are curious. This was written by Lawrence Gonzalez in the book, Deep Survival. Things can be terrible. I'm not saying that you don't have to know or you deny that something's terrible. To be a prisoner of war would be terrible. And at the same time, you could get curious about it. You could figure out a way to rise to it, to be worthy of the suffering, as Dostoevsky would say. Pema Chodron says, we have to do our best and at the same time, give up all hope of fruition. Detachment over and over and over from these teachers, from these people who seem to have found some contentment, detachment, 
seems to be a central tenet. But I love Chipotle! How am I supposed to detach from Chipotle? We have no way of knowing if things are objectively good or bad in the long run. And that might make me sound like a dick, because it would seem like some things, of course, are inherently terrible. But we can't see the, the furthest reaches of, of some of these, of these events. We can't know what's all the way down the line. What is all the way down the line? Is there a down the line? It reminds me of a, of a concept called computational irreducibility by Stephen Wolfram. And in his example, it means a computer's inability to shortcut a program because the pattern will inherently change down the line. Computational irreducibility. You need to actually run, you need to run the system to see what will happen. So if you need to run the software, if you need to run the system, if you need to live the life, why not just embrace everything as great or teachable or an opportunity for growth, even in the worst of circumstances? This is difficult stuff. But what if we could do that? What if we could reframe our ideas about what's happening? He says to privilege pleasure over pain, life over death, fame over anonymity. It's clearly blasphemous. Nature certainly doesn't. We think we deserve something better or different, but nature's nature. It gives us what it gives us. So again, how can we come back to this internal change of perception so that our actions in relation to it in answer to this stimulus are helpful to us. When James Stockdale was shot down over Vietnam, he said, I had about 30 seconds to make my last statement in freedom before I landed. And so help me, I whispered to myself, five years down there at least, I'm leaving the world of technology and entering the world of Epictetus. He realized that in that moment, he had to change his frame of mind if he was gonna survive. Because it wasn't just five years, it was seven. But stoicism helped him survive.